The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I remember watching one of the early Star Treks where Captain Kirk played a computer, and Kirk beat the computer in chess. So that got me thinking. You know, last night I decided, all right, Let's just see how smart these computers are. And I put it on Grandmaster. I decided to play the computer in chess. Grandmaster. The game was over in about two minutes. The computer just destroyed me. But I said to the computer, let's just see how good you are at kickboxing. So it beat me in chess. But it was no match for me in kickboxing. Good to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. Let me give the number first. I kind of give other details before I give the number. The number. Because you have no idea what the number is for. 877-573-7825. 877-57- Equal is the number to call to get onto the program. Should you have a question, a comment, a helpful suggestion you would like to put on air? Some of you are very reluctant to call. The number one reason people say they don't call is because folks they know listen. Well, what don't you don't want to tell them what that your kids acting like that or that you're struggling with your mother-in-law? Nonetheless. Nonetheless, I definitely want to hear from you. 877-57 equal is the number. I'm a psychologist. That's what I do for a living. That's my professional status. Here on the program, we just educate, give you some thoughts, ideas, options, ponderings, whatever, whatever. Maybe a little support here and there. So if you'd like to ask a question about something in your life, a person in your life, I love mankind. It's just individual people who push me to my limit. <clears throat> Maybe you're... Uh, I can't say mankind. That's right. I keep warning. I love person kind. Can't even say person anymore because I got sun in it. I don't even know what I can say. People? People kind? Can you say kind anymore? That kind of implies a certain value judgment. Who am I to say they're kind, you know? So, 877-57 equals the number to call to get on to the program. Program. It has pro in it. Does that imply that some people are more competent than others? Program? Hmm. I really have to start watching my language. There's no question about that. All right. So what else do I want to say here? Uh, oh, yeah. I got I to gotta give you the details on this. Uh, we finished up down in Columbus, 
we were taping the TV show in Columbus. And it was a, a wonderful, wonderful visit. Those folks just laid out the carpet for us. Now this is, this is where we're headed next. God willing, Billings, Montana. The tremendous folks there at Billings Catholic Radio. We will be doing the TV show. That's right, in Billings, Montana. And the dates, let me grab this. Get my book here. All right, the dates on Billings are the 25th and 26th of September. Two shows each evening. Absolutely want to load up the audience. So if you go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com and then forward slash Living Right Dr. Ray, you can sign up. One, two, three, four programs. We're really hitting hard producing next season. You've already done four. We got another four scheduled. Then we got another four after that in Wichita. Then we got another four after that down in Birmingham. And they're back to back to back to back. However, we're in different geographic locations. So you can uh, come if we're in your voca- in your vocation, in your location, and you would like to. Without you, there is no show. It's that's it is that simple. I mean, we've never had to cancel because they're too small of an audience. Hope it never happens. But if you get only 20 people there, it doesn't look good. Don't, don't look like they like you, you know? So go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com forward slash Living Right with Dr. Ray, and then they have a very, very easy to navigate. Just register here. Put your name down, which shows, and how many people are coming. We'll feed you in between shows. All right, so we'll get, get more on that. We're going to start pushing on this real hard because it's only, uh, what, five weeks away? Got it. I'm sure you've heard of something called middle child syndrome. Now, first of all, that's not a diagnosis. That's just a pop name. The features of middle child syndrome are that this kid is kind of lost in the family shuffle. He doesn't have the attention given the youngest, nor the privilege given the oldest. He's kind of an in-between kid. Therefore, he could act up to get attention. He might have some self-image issues. Where do I fit? All of this. And as a consequence, he is a bit tougher to raise for whatever the reason, either because he has a, a number of insecurities or because he's a behavior problem. Now, that's the theory underlying middle child syndrome, MCS. You know you can call a disorder by its initials, which means it has a high profile. Now, there really is no such thing as middle child disorder, middle child syndrome, because it's, it's, a, it's a nice word, phrase that's caught on. I mean, it's uh, definitely been high profile in pop media, pop psychology. But there isn't an official diagnosis of that. Believe it or not, that might surprise you. I've had many parents say to me, well, you know, this is he's my middle child. What do you expect? I, I kind of am surprised at the way he acts. He's, he's different than the other two. Well, let's look at this analytically. First of all, the modal number of children right now in the U.S. per family. Are you allowed to say family anymore? Is that, is that judgmental? You know what it is? It's one. That's right, it's one. The U.S. replacement rate is 1.61. You need a 2.1 just to replace yourself. So we're falling way behind. People don't have kids. 
So those of you listening who are welcoming children, you are an aberration in our culture. I'll get to you in a second. So to have a middle child, you must have at least three children. Or an odd number of children. You, you can't have a middle child if you've got an even number of children. you got four kids, you got an upper middle, lower middle. You don't have a middle. And I think, this is my own personal theory, that middle child syndrome gained momentum back when families were a little bit larger, when it was more common to have three children. That may have been the most common number, so therefore you easily could have said, well, I got a middle child. That's why. That's the problem. Now, I always tell parents, if you're that afraid of middle child syndrome, don't have an odd number. I mean, have another one. Give one away. Wipe out that middle spot. Well, what does the research say about middle children? Essentially, the only place that birth order really seems to have any effect is the oldest and the only. And it's just a little bit. And there are reasons for this. Right now, we don't have enough time to get into this because I want to get to your questions. But those of you who have more than the allowed 1.86 children in our culture now, say you've got six kids, you realize you've had a couple of middle children, haven't you? When we had three children, we had Andrew, Hannah, and Sarah. Hannah was... She was a little different than the other two, in a good way, but a little different. So we have a middle child, you know what I mean? And then we adopted Sam. So now Hanny was upper middle, but she was still Hannah. All right, okay. Then we adopted John and Joe. Now moved us up to six. Now we skipped over the middle child who would have been the third child, which would have been Sarah, because she took over the middle spot because we adopted twins. So now we're back to upper middle, lower middle. Then we adopted Petey and we had seven. So that made Sammy, who was once the baby, now the middle child. And so it went up to ten. So over the course of our parenting, we probably had three or four middle kids. But they didn't stay in the middle very long because other kids came on the scene. So here's the question. How long... Do you have to be a middle child to contract middle child syndrome? Can you have acute middle child syndrome? You know, when you're right smack in the middle of that middle spot. But then another kid comes along, you're not middle anymore, so now would you have chronic middle child syndrome? Residual middle child syndrome? Those of you who have two children, and you're hoping that God gives you a third, You realize now that your younger child has latent middle child syndrome. Hasn't really manifested itself yet until you have that third kid. Then you're going to have a middle child. Dr. Ray, I don't care what you say. My middle child is different than my other two. I'm not going to argue with you. I have no doubt. But that doesn't mean it's because he's or she's got to do that anymore. You can't say he anymore. You go he or she or they is a middle child. It's their temperament. It's the way they're wired. One third of all kids in the middle spot are going to be the more difficult ones to raise by statistics. This kid would be the same kid if he were first or last. It's who he is. It's how he's wired. 
But when you have a one-third chance of being the most tough kid, most tough, most tough, toughest kid because you're in the middle, well, that can keep a stereotype alive. That's that's plenty to keep a stereotype alive, one-third. Sure, parents will say that. They'll go, hey, no, I, you know, I didn't believe in that middle child syndrome until we had a middle child, and then it's it's clear this this kid is different. Well, I don't doubt that. But he'd be the same if he was oldest, second child of a twin, fourth of a quadruplets. That's who he is. That's the way he's wired. So is there any such thing as middle child syndrome? No. Not really, only in the only in the mind of us parents, because we look at this and we say, well, that kid's a little different. Okay, so what? May not have anything at all to do with him being in that middle spot. Plus, middle child syndrome is going to fade away as a disorder. You know why? Because less and less people are having more than one or two children. That's it. I don't know what the percentages are. You could look them up, I suppose. Maybe somebody could check it for me. What percentage of American families have three children or more? I think it's probably around 10, 15 percent. Somewhere, somewhere in there, maybe, would be my guess. Andrew, look that up, would you? Would you find out for me? What percentage of American families have more than two kids? It's shriveling. It's shrinking. All righty. So when we come back, I want to talk to Sherry. From Columbus, Ohio. I hope she was I hope she was down there when we did the taping of the TV show. This is Dr. Ray. I welcome your calls, please. 877-573-7825. 877-57-Equal is the number to call to get onto the program. I very much want to talk to you. Thanks for joining me. Call now for great advice from Dr. Ray. Now, don't, don't you feel, feel better? better? He was a doctor of the church, a Carmelite, and one of the most famous mystics of all time. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. John of the Cross wanted to help all Christians to become saints. One of his most important teachings was to encourage us all to learn how to love. For there is no love, he said, put love, and you will find love. He died in 1591. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents, to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, 
Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. That's what he said. I think he said two. That, that's interesting. All right. Well, I'll get that stat here as soon as the music lets me talk. I would have never guessed that. All right. The other one I would have guessed. All right. So my crack research staff over there at Ave Maria, this was from 2015. 41% of families have two children. That surprises. Well, this is again. This is almost this is almost nine years ago, so I imagine it's dropped significantly. It says have two. Now my guess would be two or one, because if the modal number of children is one, that's the most common number. If forty-one percent have two, that would make two the most common number. But here's the interesting stat. Four or more is 14%. Now, that was then. It, it, one thing I've learned about statistics, they change radically in, the average, in 10 years. Average children per family in 2020. All right, what do you got? 2022, here it is. There it is, 1.94. Okay, average number of kids per family last year, 1.94. That, boy, that poor 0.94, that kid's got to be hurting a little bit, you know. Sherry from Columbus. Hi, Sherry. Hello, Dr. Ray. Were you at the TV show? No, but my husband and I did think about it, and we just didn't. I I apologize. Too far away. Well, don't blame me if your kid's on, on Dr. Phil, then. No kidding. She could be. (laughs) It's been a rough two years. Um, So I called you several times about my daughter, and we're getting to that point where we need to start discussing uh, colleges. And you had mentioned last week, and I didn't know what you meant. It was just an offside comment uh, about universities with dormitories, kids going back to college. And I was wondering your opinion about how uh, what you would do with a child that is very malleable and not, you know, may run with the crowd, that kind of thing. Uh, You know, we've raised her Catholic all of her life, um, but we've had some issues with her the past year that you and I have spoken about. But anyway, um, I was just wondering, what do you think, community college, or do you think that she should go to OSU somewhere like that and it's okay? I heard a statistic just recently that kind of surprised me uh, because the statistic that I had heard a few years back was that over 50% of kids who go away to college lose their faith. The statistic I just recently heard was 85% Ooh, yeah. who go away I to college. I agree with that. You <laughs> said an interesting... School, they lose it. <laughs> yeah, you said an interesting thing at the very top of your call, which was... It's been a rough couple of years. Mm-hmm. I what yeah. book did I write? Uh, I think I caught, wrote when faith causes family friction, and the question was, what about college? 
And I said, one of the considerations is how the child has acted in high school. If you have a kid who's given you trouble or who has made dumb decisions or who is impulsive or who is questioning their faith, then you're taking a high risk sending them on to college. Now, here's I become more and more this way. If you look at the statistics in college, flat out, the professors are far left. Uh, the, the stats and some of the ones I've seen is that there's one conservative for every 50 liberals in college. Now, that wouldn't necessarily be so bad, except they push their views upon the kids. And I've heard from kid after kid after kid after kid who basically says, I just keep my head down because if I say anything pro-life or anything that goes against yeah. the reigning ideology, my head's going to get shot off. So that's what's happening. I've come to the conclusion that if, in fact, a child is going to college to get a bachelor's degree of some type, that by far your best move is to commute from home or to go at least the first couple years to community college. The reason is, first of all, you're going to get yourself into loan debt. That's one. Two, you're going to get a job that isn't going to help you pay off that loan debt. You start out at $42,000 somewhere, and that's all you're going to be able to do to get by, and you're getting this $600 a month loan payment for the next 10 to 15 years. Three, you lose your faith, and you'll probably change your life view on all kinds of things. You just will, because that's the way it is now in college. And even the kids are that way. The kids put the pressure on you to think a certain way. If it's a technical degree that you need, for example, my, my son got a degree in engineering. Well, now you're not going to get that by self-teaching. I suppose you could, but you're not going to get much of a job chance when people go, uh, are you an engineer? Yeah, I am, but I don't have a degree. I never went to school, but I'm an engineer. That's not going to happen. So, but he stayed home. He stayed home and commuted. My daughter got a degree in nursing, stayed home and commuted. Uh, my son, same thing, stayed home and commuted. So we thought that was a good move. I, I do not like sending kids away to college. Um, college I did is, not know that about you. I oh, learned no. I, I, about you. I've really become that way. I didn't used to be that way. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, but universities have changed so radically in the way that they squash diversity of opinion, in the way that, well, here's another statistic that might shake you up. First of all, very few kids get through in four years. Usually takes five or more. That's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The yeah. second thing is approximately 50% of kids upon graduation with a bachelor's degree, bachelor of arts, do not work in their degree field. They get a job somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They wait tables in a restaurant or they get some kind of semi-skilled job. This this is This will shake you up. Ten years later, the majority of them are not working in their degree field. Yeah, well, sure it is. And that, that's why, you know, what, what's happening is we have a dramatic shortage of skills. Every, every, every person that I talk to who has a skill, whether it's electrician, whether it's plumbing, whether it's carpentry, whether it's remodeling, whatever it is, they have so much work because... The trades, the trades people are just not coming out of schools. They're not. 
this idea that, oh, good, you go get yourself a bachelor's degree in college, and then you come out and you got a bachelor's degree in what? Uh, I got a bachelor's degree in, um, uh, well, it's, uh, again, the question becomes, what can you do with it? Why? And if you have a kid, like you said, that, uh, you know what, I, I don't really trust this kid to make good decisions. She didn't make good decisions when she was living at home. Mm-hmm. You're putting her in an environment where she has total freedom. She's completely unsupervised. It is a party environment. There's no question about that. College is a major league party environment. So you have to be one stable kid to navigate college these days. That's hey, just well, some of my thoughts. All righty, Sherry. Okay, thank you Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 877-57 equal. I know I sound crazy because I went to college brothers and sisters all went to college i know it sounds nuts but things have changed radically on college campi living the beatitudes with father bjorn blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven Mother Angelica said that the essence of evangelization is to tell everyone that Jesus loves you. Matt Frad says that it is one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. Are we so full of the things of the world that we can't hear or receive the gifts that God is giving to us? In Isaiah, we hear, The Lord delights in you. I've called you by name. You are mine. You are precious in my eyes, and I love you. Well, we often don't want to hear that, and in the Gospel of Matthew, it hits us over the head even more that we're invited to be part of the kingdom of God. Jesus is king, and he's come to establish his kingdom. The Beatitudes are the eight roads to God. They lead us with his gifts of the Holy Spirit to become the new person in Christ who will find happiness and bring that happiness to others. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com. We were made for spiritual greatness. The divine image is in every person, however dimly seen in some. God gave man a spiritual and immortal soul. From the first moment in the womb, he or she is destined for eternal life with God. Man, by his reasoning, is capable of understanding the order the Creator has established. By our will, we are capable of aligning ourselves with our true good, which is where we find our perfection. Reason provides recognition of God's voice directing us toward good and avoiding evil. The law of God is made known by our conscience and is fulfilled by the love of God and love of neighbor. Because our first parents sinned, we suffer the wound of original sin. Thus, while we still desire good, we are inclined toward evil and subject to error. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. like this. I included it in one of my books, but it's a little scary for me saying this now. This was a quote from Edward R. Murrow. You might know him as a journalist from way back around World War II. I mean, you know about it because you read about it. Teresa Tamio knows about it because she was living it. He said, just because 
Oh, this I, I hate to say this. This is a slam on me. Just because your voice reaches halfway around the world doesn't mean you are wiser than when it reached only to the end of the bar. Isn't that so? I did my master's thesis on the credibility that famous people have when they intone about things that are not their bailiwick, and they get credibility. Why? Well, because they're famous. They know nothing about the particular area they're talking about. But because they're famous, because they have a big microphone, all of a sudden, they're more credible. Just because your voice reaches halfway around the world doesn't mean you are wiser than when it reached only to the end of the bar. That is why the attitudinal changes that are swamping our country are happening so much faster. In the old days, you could influence only a very small circle around you, and it took a long time to alter the thinking of a whole culture. Not now. I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Is it is it Tutti from uh, North Dakota? Judy. Tutti. I got it. Now, that sounds like a nickname, is it? No. That's it. That's your given name, huh? That's it. How did it come about? I have no idea. You were a baby when it asked. happened. They didn't ask you when you were a yeah. day old, huh? No. <laughs> your sister, who has had a history, let's say over a half a century, of treating you poorly. Yes. Are she around? Is she is she geographically close? Uh, no, uh, about an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see each other or have any relationship. It just um, just I have bad memories all the way back to childhood. Just you know, you're supposed to remember the best and forget the rest, and I try to do that. Um, and I think what topped it off is I went through an ugly divorce about 30 years ago, and uh, he was an abusive alcoholic, uh, tampered with my home, my vehicle, things like that, wasn't supportive, unless he was backed up by the courts, and she was kind of team alcoholic. Our father was an alcoholic, and I don't think she ever recognized that, and I guess I'm religious, and... Well, Tootie, why does it still bother you? Why does it still bother you after all these years? I think because I feel like your family, if anybody in the world, should be the ones that... I knew you were going to say that. Tootie, I knew you were going to say that. I was going to say, before I asked that question, I was going to say, Tootie, you know what you're thinking? You are thinking that she shouldn't do this. She's a sister. Sisters are not supposed Correct. to act this way. Sisters are supposed to be nice with a tight connection. That's what you're thinking, isn't it? Yes. Well, what if that ain't so? What if the fact that being your sister is meaningless to the fact that she's going to treat you nice? Did I stump you? 
I wish it wouldn't wasn't still so hurtful. I mean, it's it's less hurtful, I should say. Because well, that's good. That's good. Tootie, in one of my books, I had a chapter called Close the Book. What I meant by that is how long does it take you to realize that somebody's going to act a certain way? And there really isn't anything that is changing them. At what point do you say that's what they do, that's who they are, and I'm going to close the book? I am no longer going to be upset because what do I expect? Now, most people take years to get to that point. Sounds like you took decades. Yes. But there's been times she's wanted back in my life, and I just don't want to go there again. Well, if she it's didn't have... a good end result. Well, here's the thing. If she didn't have the power to hurt you, if you basically said, I know my sister can be incredibly unpredictable, and she can be nasty. I know this. Okay. So, if she wants back in my life, yeah, I'll have contact with her. It might not be anything deep, kind of a civil, shallow sort of contact. But any moment, she could get nasty, and at that point, I'm going to retreat from her. After all these years, for all these years... You're still letting this get to you. And, my dear, all it's doing is destroying your peace. That's all it's doing. It's not doing anything else. It's not changing your sister. Do you really? Let, let's total it up. Do you have any way of calculating how much time in your mind you have spent being distressed about your sister? True. I'll bet it's been, I'll bet if you total it up, Tootie. It's been years, years of thinking about the way your sister acts. And you can't do anything about it, by the way. You know that. You can't do anything about it. She can act any way she wants. And the fact that she's your sister isn't necessarily going to make her be nice. Not at all. So, given the rest of your life, maybe you could make it your goal to say, hey, it's the way my sister's been. It's the way she'll probably always be. And I just don't really want to distress myself about her behavior anymore. I didn't get a nice sister. Can you do that? I think I can, yeah. Well, bless your heart, because if you do, I guarantee you're going to feel better. And here's the other thing. All right. Here's the other thing. If she doesn't have that ability to make you feel bad... You probably won't be as fearful of having any contact with her. Right now, your attitude is, I don't want to have any contact with her because she's such a pain in the bucket, and she mistreats me, and she's unpredictable, and she's nasty. Okay. But if if her conduct didn't get to you so much, you could probably say, eh, yeah, I can take her in small doses. No big deal. If she gets goofy on me, I'll just kind of retreat, you know. So she comes back around and tries to be nice again, and then I won't I won't slam her down. I'll just kind of roll with her for eight minutes until she gets goofy. God bless you, Tony. You hang in there. Be at peace. Hey, if you're religious, the Lord wants you to be at peace, and he wouldn't be telling you to do something he didn't think you couldn't do. You don't have to listen to me. Listen to him. 
Family Connection with Teresa Tomio. We're all going to suffer. No one is getting out of this life unscathed. Even if you're an agnostic or an atheist, everyone is going to suffer. The rain falls on the just and the unjust, as the Lord tells us in the New Testament. So what do we do with it? Do we just say, oh, I'm so glad that's over and don't learn anything from it? Or do we say, okay, God, this was not fun. Or as St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of the church and my patron said, if this is the way you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few, right? Like, really, Lord? Seriously? And that's okay if you express yourself that way, obviously with respect and love, but St. Teresa of Avila did it, and so many saints expressed their frustrations that way. But at the end of the day, they still came back to God and said, okay, Lord, this really stinks, but I know somehow at the end, I'm going to come through it, and you're going to show me what you want me to do with it. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. What if you moved more? Could this change the course of disease? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Dr. James Hicks of the University of California says that exercise not only helps prevent disease, but it can actually alter disease trajectories. If you are able to move in some way, you can move more. Even seated, just move your arms and legs more. That's adding cardio to your life. If you add lifting a few weights or using bands, this can help. I said help prevent major diseases. Don't forget counting gardening, walking a big box store, bike riding, and even dancing. We are encouraged to add 7,500 steps a day to our life. One day last month, I fertilized the lawn, weeded the garden while listening to great Catholic content, and walked the dogs twice. I got almost 10,000 steps in before 3 p.m. If I can do it, so can you. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Still got time for calls. Don't give up. You never know. Call in, and all of a sudden, you're right there at the front because... We have a particular kind of question or situation we haven't dealt with before or in a while. It's Dr. Ray. Thank you for joining me here on The Doctor is In. Um, got an anonymous dad calling from Iowa. Uh, got some interesting news regarding his son. Hi, Dad. How are you? Hi. Um, well... So, yeah, I got some news about my son, some medical news about my son. Um, he has a rare genetic disease and um, having a really hard time dealing with it um, because, well, for one thing, he's my only son, my only child. And... Disease causes intellectual disorder and developmental disorder. And the way I'm reacting over the last week is as if his life is over. But this is not anything terminal. As far as I can tell, it's, it's not terminal, but I'm reacting as if it is. And I recognize some of the psychology here. I'm mourning my son. I can't be doing that. And the thing is, is that he's, so at this point, he's on par with his peers. He's smart. 
imaginative, responsible, and those things all, you know, bode well for him. But I'm convinced of, you know, life might as well be over. And I'm, you know, meeting that crystal ball that, of course, nobody can provide. And I need help. You said a disease. You said a genetic disease. It sounds like what you're saying is it's a genetic learning or developmental problem. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it also causes seizures, um, which is kind of where this started, and it can cause poor muscle tone, which is another thing because he runs and jumps and climbs, and I don't want there to be a day when he can't do that because his muscles don't recover or something. You know, I'm afraid of regression or progression, but... What gave you, know, you any indication at age four to look into this? If you say he's developing normally, how did you decide to check into this? Um, earlier this year, he was having seizures, and um, so we were trying to get to the bottom of that. And we found out that um, this genetic variant, um, in many cases, causes seizures. And, you know, I'm kind of dissatisfied with the doctor because she, you know, kind of indicated that we had a reason for why the seizures were happening, but she didn't mention anything, anything else. And so, I'm, but she sent us home with a packet of information. And as I'm reading that, that's where I'm finding out that um, this gene 100% of the time results in developmental or intellectual disability. And he had this she, gene, I mean, obviously, from birth, correct? Right. And at this point, he's developed normally, correct? So far. Or, I, I mean, pretty much. He yeah, the, the seizures little, obviously a, have to get under control. He was a little bit late walking, but when he, I tell you what, when he started to walk, he started running. And he's been, um, he's had a little bit of difficulty with speech. Um, but we're getting early intervention. So, you know, objectively, you know, things I think should be hopeful, but I'm... Well, you're doing the worst-case scenario. Yeah. And you have you have no idea how this is going to unfold, do you? No, I'm just scared to death. He's my only son. He's my only child so far. He needs his I daddy. To have a full life. He needs his dad. He's going to have a full life. He may not have the kind of full life that that you wanted him to have. But would it be safe to say that this little guy is a happy little fella? Very much. And he enjoys living he enjoys his family he enjoys what he can do yeah wouldn't that be what you want for him yeah are you married yes what's your wife think that i mean she's telling me that i'm being pointing out that i'm um Thinking of the worst case scenario, she says it's not good for any of us. 
She's right, you know. She's probably right. She's yeah. right. So you have to decide to change that. See, what's happening here is you're saying, well, I don't know how to change that because I just, I just can't deal with the fact that my little guy might not develop perfectly normally, even though I don't know how he's going to develop. But I'm just saying this, this is not, well, Dad, I'm going to be blunt with you. You're probably thinking this is not the kid that I asked for. But he's your son. He's your son. This is this is a boy with the soul given to him from God. And and he may not be as skilled at some things, but that has nothing to do with whether he grows up and seeks God, whether he is a beautifully moral human being, whether he has an attachment to his father far beyond anything that is typical. You know, I got a lot of parents listening to this who have competent children, very competent, intellectually competent, but they have no relationship with these kids because these kids have shut them off. These kids have become spoiled brat problems. Your little guy is going to need his daddy. And that may that may make that attachment between you and him far beyond what would it have otherwise been. My little guy, my first child that we adopted was born with a cleft lip and palate, a very serious one. Multiple, multiple surgeries, multiple surgeries. And there was uh, indication, perhaps, that he could be developmentally delayed. <laughs> the kid's the brightest of my kids, okay? But we didn't really know where that was all going to go, but he was our son. This is your son, God gave God gave this little guy to you. He needs his daddy. Whatever it is that he can't do quite as well, and we haven't even established that yet. You don't know that. So what bugs you is, I want to have certainty. Well, you don't have certainty. Yeah. You don't have right. certainty. I cannot tell you how many people have told me that they had a child with Down syndrome. And they were initially scared to death. Oh, my gosh, this kid is not going to develop. Likely, significant Down syndrome is more developmental delays and disabilities than your son is going to have. And you know what almost every one of them has said to me? I can't believe the blessing it turned out to be. I got a guy just called here, Dad. His name's Rich. He said, I've got a daughter with disabilities. She's the light of my life. It was tough at first, but she is the best blessing in my life. And I cannot tell you how many people think like that. That little guy needs his daddy and whatever whatever things he can't quite do as well. And that's really what it is. He's not going to be able to do them maybe as well. But it means he can't, doesn't mean he can't do them. And that's what you got to look at. And you got to watch out any kind of thinking that says, I got ripped off. I just wanted a kid. I wanted a kid that that could be perfectly healthy and, and could develop perfectly normally. And that's what I wanted. And that didn't happen. And I got ripped off. You got to watch that kind of thinking. My wife and I couldn't conceive. And I remember the day I came home from Cleveland Clinic.
and they said, well, if you have a child, you, uh, you go on TV talk shows because it's a miracle. You are incapable of having children. My wife wanted to have five or six kids. We were in our 30s. And I thought, oh, boy, that's it. I'm not going to be a daddy. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll try to adopt, but I know how hard that is. Well, we'll do the best we can. I didn't see 10 kids in our future. There was 10 kids there. You don't, you don't know what the future holds. So don't create the future in your head, Dad. Because that'll keep you from enjoying your son to the max. Listen to your wife. God bless you. This is Dr. Ray. Ciao, amici. Hello, friends. Teresa Tomio here. Ever notice that common sense isn't so common anymore? Each time we check our news feeds or turn on the TV, it seems the world is getting wackier. While we desperately need a return to basic common sense. And Rosie Posey, my mom, a street smart theologian from Jersey City, is just the person we need to help us restore it. So if you need a little bit more help with some common sense or know someone else who needs it, pick out my new book on our store. Everything's coming up, Rosie, at AveMariaRadio.net's online store. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray Garendi here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre-K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plans, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton, some of our children. I'll tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to setonhome.org. That is setonhome.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. When we were at the hospital for the birth of our son, and the birth mom said, we never met her, but she said, I wanted the adopted parents to be the first ones to hold this baby, which is an incredible act of love from that little 17-year-old girl. And we waited, and there was a nurse there at the hospital who kept us informed. Okay, she's in labor. Okay. And then she came in and said, He's here. And I went, he's here? After all that buildup? He's here? She said, well, the doctor will be down to see you. Now, this is not how I thought our first adoption would go. 
Little Andrew was born with a major cleft of the lip and palate. He really couldn't eat normally, couldn't suck normally. We didn't know if there would be developmental delays attached. We learned to feed him at the hospital for about a week. He was kept in the hospital for a week. We're heading for home. We're on the elevator. We had the carrier with the blanket over Andrew. A guy gets on the elevator. Is that your little baby? My wife said, yeah. Can I see him? My wife had a spur-of-the-moment thought that said, well, he's expecting to see a fully formed little baby, and he's going to see someone that has a significant facial defect. He'll probably try to hide his initial micro-expression of surprise. She pulled the cover back without missing a beat. Not so much as a nanosecond between that cover being pulled back and his words. He said, he's beautiful. Just like that. We got down to the first floor of the vestibule, big area. He walked out first. We walked out, turned, and couldn't find him. Where'd he go? It's a big room. Where'd he go? I don't know who that was or a visit. I don't know. But that little guy, Andrew, turned out to be one of the softest-hearted, sweetest. It's like my wife said, we didn't make Andrew. Andrew is who Andrew was. But he absorbed our parenting. He's the daddy of three little ones now. Enormously bright technical engineer, consults to the Navy. He calls every, every week from Rhode Island, calls every week. Talk to us today for an hour. He just calls. Wants to talk to his mom and dad. We were scared in the beginning. We really were scared. We didn't know. We're some first-time parent here. We didn't know what was in front of us. We had no idea. But didn't turn out at all like our anxieties. Not at all. I'm not saying that God stepped in and said, okay, I'll fix it all. No, no. But it transpired a certain way that we didn't anticipate. You can't know. You cannot know what the future holds. Sometimes that's really good. Sometimes that's bad when your head gets the best of you and you start speculating on every what if you can think of. Thank you for joining me. This is Dr. Ray Garendi. Program Doctor is in Monday through Friday. Hey, go up to all our folks at Billings up there, Billings, Montana, Catholic Radio. Get on the website. Sign up for the TV show. You'll find out the dates and all the details. I'll give you more in time. Walk with God. You walk with him, you'll have a lot less anxiety. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.